Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. We're going to continue our examination of the little short letter of Titus. We're in the first chapter. And we've seen where Paul greeted him. Paul wrote this letter to Titus. And then Paul gets to what the issue is. He says, you remember I left you there in Crete where you could do a couple of things, to where you could set things in order and where you could appoint elders. And then uh, the Spirit through Paul gives Titus insight into the characteristics and the character of those that should be the elders, those uh, King James calls it a, a bishop in one phrase, in overseer. There's several terms that are often synonymous, but sometimes a little different. So we do well to examine each one of the little nuances, right? And we saw in uh, verse 6 of chapter 1 of Titus that it says, if any man is above reproach, okay, which means he's blameless, not only is uh, the Greek word carries the idea of not only unaccusable, but one that is free from a legal charge. He's unaccused. Now, you say, well, you know, that's going to disqualify a lot of people. Well, it sort of depends upon things. Are there false accusations? Oh, yeah, all the time. Are there accusations that come forth that someone is proven to be innocent of later? Yes, okay. And sometimes it gets to some really interesting things. Are there, accu are there things that happen prior to the time of salvation? Well, yes. And so someone may have been involved with all sorts of things that go totally against what we're about to look in this list right here. But when they're saved, what happens? We become a new creature, a new creation. And it's so sad because uh, particularly the, the stream of the river of God that I come out of, uh, people will uh, gladly you know, rejoice that someone has saved a particular sin and they move on, but then they'll hold other sins against them. They'll hold other things that have happened in their life against them. And instead of saying, well, God cannot forgive that, they're blame. There's blame in that area, uh, and we do we do harm to the body. And we do that kind of stuff. So anyway, this man has to be above reproach, the husband of one wife. And remember what I said about that. That literally carries the idea of a one woman man having children who believed, who is not accused of a, a dissipation, a riotous type of attitude or rebellion in any way. Now, verse seven, for the overseer or the bishop must be above reproach as God's steward. He must be blameless as the steward of God, is how the King James communicates this. And I sort of like that. So let me just read three different versions here. Here's the New American Standard. For the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward. Okay, see what the ESV has to say. For an overseer as God's steward must be Above reproach. Okay. And then it's a, a period right there. That's just a sentence. The other ones, it's all one versus, let me look here, seven, eight, nine is one sentence. The King James again, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God. And you think, well, that's all saying the same thing. Well, yes and no. Okay. Uh, that idea of steward right there means that you're able to administrate, that you deal out, that you distribute, that you apportion. Well, what are you dealing out? What are you distributing? What are you apportioning? Okay. When we hear steward, most of our minds automatically default to the position of uh, financial matters, okay? Money and things like that. So is, is it saying that a bishop must be the steward of God? Well, of course, he must be good with that. But 
I think there's also the understanding here that he is a steward of God. You literally deal out God. You literally distribute God. You literally apportion God and the power and the presence of God. And so you must be blameless. This overseer, this bishop must be blameless in that arena. And then it's also the idea, the steward uh, uh, speaks of the, the blessings that we have, the things that God has granted to us. In other words, does this individual take that which the Lord has given and use it in the way that God wants? And see, that's a serious matter right there. The next thing it says, not self-willed. Okay, King James says not self-willed. Uh, New American Standard says not self, self-willed. Uh, the ESV says, he must not be arrogant. Ooh, ooh. And you think, well, is that what that means? Well, you click the little button on the computer right here, and it pops up the Greek word. Aren't these amazing things? And it literally means this, to please. One who is pleased with himself and despises others. <laughs> well, that's a pretty good definition of arrogant, isn't it? So he says he must not be self-willed in this way. It also carries the idea you don't want to be insolent or surly. And it's literally in contrast to affable and courteous. And so the overseer must be above reproach when it comes to being a steward of that which God has granted. He must not be self-willed, arrogant. The next thing in verse 7 says, not soon angry or not quick-tempered. In other words, he's not going to have... Uh, he's not going to be one that's default position is to be prone to anger. Now, do people get angry from time? Oh, yeah, yeah. Jesus got angry. He had a righteous anger. And, you know, that happens to all of us. And I know I feel sure that all of us like to think that our anger is always righteous, right? And, and you know, the things that really make me the maddest about stuff usually are things that are that I would that I believe are righteous anger. Just when you see people doing things that go against the word of God. What he's saying right here is your default position is not to be prone to be angry. And you say, well, someone who's a bishop, an overseer, would not be uh, inclined toward that. Oh, you want to bet? Yeah, yeah. Well, look at this next one. Not given to wine. New American Standard says not addicted to wine. ESV says or a drunkard. And the idea behind this is exactly what it says. It's not going to be somebody who is a drunkard. Uh, now, it, it doesn't carry the idea of abstinence within this. You don't see that anywhere in the Scripture, okay? Uh, you see in the Scripture where you do well not to be drunk. You're not to be drunk as a sin, and you're not to excess, being, uh, whether it's food or drink or anything. What it's saying here is this person is not going to be given to that. I like the New American Standard, not addicted to it, okay? Not addicted. So what have we seen so far? This overseer must be above reproach. Okay, as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine. The next one, not pugnacious, <laughs> pugnacious, okay, not pugnacious. Uh, the ESV says not violent. Uh, uh, King James says a striker, a striker. You want to know what a striker does? He does what the word means, to strike, okay? It means a, a violent person, you know, one who will, you know, a upbraid somebody by their language, one who will speak for things that's contentious. You're not to be like that. ESV, violent, boy, that carries an idea. Pugnacious, I think we sort of miss what that means with that because we don't really know that word that well. But it means it's not going to be somebody that's going to strike or their tongue to be demeaning or something. And then the last one in this verse, and we're going to be running out of time, so we'll continue this later. 
not given to filthy lucre. Isn't that a great line? And most of us are probably uh, pretty aware of that. Uh, ESV says, or greedy for gain. New American Standard is a really good translation. Not fond of sordid gain. You know, there's nothing wrong with gain. There's nothing wrong with wealth. There's nothing wrong with money. Uh, this person, though, cannot be oriented and focused upon uh, eager gain, particularly sordid gain, greedy gain, a type of gain that would be questioned by the world, okay, that their motivation is the gain. And well, let me tell you, I know too many people in leadership position that that is their motivation. You don't want to believe that, but it is the truth. So look at verse 7 again, just in the synopsis, and just read through everything we've just seen. For the overseer, the bishop, must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain. So these are all uh, uh, speaking the elements of an, in a negative sense. The next verse, which we'll get at the next episode, starts off with, but... And then it gives some positive characteristics and traits that must be found within these overseers. Uh, go, go to Titus. Read through this first chapter. See what the Lord reveals to you. Uh, again, I'm Dale. I'll see you next time. Goodbye.